Hello, I'm Joel Nelson, and this is the Joel vs. Arthritis podcast. World Young Rheumatic Diseases Day, or Word Day, is an annual event that takes place on the 18th of March to raise awareness that children and young people get rheumatic diseases too. On Saturday the 19th of March I hosted an 8 hour charity stream over on my Twitch channel uh, twitch.tv forward slash Joel versus arthritis. In this episode you will hear the second of three special interviews that we recorded on that day um, with this one featuring the wonderful Rebecca Beasley of the vitally important JAR project. I hope you enjoy the conversations and the insight as much as I did. So yeah thank you ever so much for um, joining me Rebecca I really appreciate it um I can't believe it's a year ago since we had this conversation last like where has the time gone I know know. (laughs) it's brilliant but we've been doing so much since then as well that I can't wait to kind of tell you all about it so yeah yeah, thank you for having me and that last year was brilliant to chat with someone who kind of understands what it's like as well so that was great thank you it was definitely one of my highlights doing the podcast last year so so for anyone we won't assume that everybody's listened to that so anybody that's um new um either to what i do or the jr project you want to just give um just a couple of introductions one about um the, the charity i suppose because obviously that's what we're here for today and also a little bit about yourself and what maybe what you do with the charity yeah so um i don't know if it makes sense actually to start with my background i don't know yeah. um, if that would be a better whichever you're more comfortable with, yeah. but if i ramble too much then please stop no, me this is new, new to me being on, <laughs> on twitch so I'm, I'm here all day so you take as much time as you need um so my in terms of my history when i was uh 10 years old i started to experience really quite severe pain in my hip in my left hip and it was kind of on and off it wasn't there all the time it would often be after i was a very very sporty kid i loved netball i loved roller skating um, loved hockey and it was off, it was often after or during sports that I would suddenly get a really intense pain and I couldn't explain there was no in no obvious injury so I couldn't explain how or why it was happening and it just seemed to become more and more frequent and I remember a couple of times it was really awful once I was at a roller disco um that was the kind of thing that used to happen a lot in, in those days in my, for my age group and I remember just having to suddenly stop go to the edge of the rink and I just couldn't move um it was scary and I didn't know what what was happening or why. Another time I was playing netball and straight after the netball match, I think my mum had to help me get to the car. And again, I just couldn't walk. The only way I could describe it at the time is it almost felt like a twisting inside my hip. There was no obvious swelling, no injury that I'd had. Um, So it was was all a bit of a mystery as to what was wrong. Um, And then it was, it was a story that I still hear happening with children of JIA now, but it was multiple trips to the GP, nothing wrong, can't see anything wrong, nothing wrong with her. Um, even x-rays were, were kind of showing up normal. So um, it was a bit of a, a mystery as to what, what was happening for you know a child that's just, just 10 years old. Um, eventually it all came to a head one day in harvest assembly at school. And everyone was kind of sitting on the floor as you do for harvest assembly, sitting cross-legged on the floor. And as the assembly came to an end and the class filed out and I just couldn't get up and I was left there. And thankfully my mum was there watching the assembly. And by this point I was in tears and she said, why, why are you not getting up? What's, what's happening? I said, I, I can't move, I can't move. And that was a case of getting me rushed through to the hospital to A&E. Uh, so an orthopedic person who again, I and I, I've heard you say this, Joel, so this is how frustrating it is. 
they said, is she trying to get out of school? Does she not like school? And I loved school. So I felt really insulted and offended by that, that anyone was thinking I could be putting on that much pain. Um, and so it was that that triggered a hospital stay, my first hospital stay, um, a bit more investigations. I did see uh, an adult rheumatologist at that point, but he kind of just, just checked me over, ruled it out. Um, it was only eventually after I drawed everything else out. And in those days, again, um, there were there were no paediatric rheumatologists or no easily accessible paediatric rheumatologists. Um, so it was really the other the orthopedic guy and other people in the hospital that were doing tests to rule out things like TB. They did a hip biopsy operation um, take a kind of sample. I think these days it is nothing quite so invasive <laughs> involved in, in a diagnosis because experienced paediatric rheumatologists will know what they're looking for and they can make a diagnosis quite quite quickly once you get to see the right person. Um, but it was yeah, it was quite traumatic. I had the whole traction thing with weights hung off off the end of my leg um, being told this is probably growing pains. So it was um, now I look back, I realised it was quite a traumatic experience. Although at the time as a child, you just accept it and you just think you'll get through it and you don't really question it and um, one of the other kind of really memorable moments and this is what, why one of the reasons why I like to really advocate for um, children with arthritis now is to kind of try and educate doctors to think about not only to take a child seriously and to listen to what they're saying um, but also the way they communicate because I remember eventually when I got that diagnosis I remember it being said as such a kind of throwaway comment of when I asked, oh, how long will it last? I mean, obviously now I realise it was a, it's a lifelong thing, but at the time I kind of wanted to know when is it going to get better? And the rheumatologist said, oh, in a couple of years, you should see an improvement. And as a child, a couple of years is a hell of a long time. Yeah. And that just kind of, I just felt gutted about that at the time. I just remember being in shock and thinking two whole years before there'd be any improvement. Um, and I just think doctors sometimes perhaps need to think more carefully about what a big deal any any condition is for a child and family, because they might see every day, they'll see patients with various conditions, but for the person going through it, it's a massive deal. And each each day, each day of not knowing is a kind of hurdle to get get through and I then had a repeat of all this worry when my daughter was diagnosed um when when was it I'm trying to trying to think about she was two years old at the time she's now nearly 10 and I remember with her it was very different it came up as a swelling in her ankle following an injury so it was assumed to be um and you know just an injury based um, thing and it was only when the injury wasn't improving that they started doing x-rays they couldn't see a fracture but they put it into plaster and again knowing what i know now about arthritis that's probably one of the worst things you can do <laughs> to actually immobilize that joint um, and after she came out of plaster that was when she completely couldn't walk for a while it was before that she was kind of hobbling along in pain but at least she was moving um, and it was only kind of down to luck. Thankfully, her whole diagnosis process didn't take as long as mine. Mine was over a year um, until I actually had an answer. Um, for her, from when we noticed the swelling to when she got a diagnosis, it was three months. But hindsight being a wonderful thing, when I look back to when she perhaps had very first symptoms, I remember her kind of three months before that, um, she, she'd reach up to me and say, mummy, sore toes, sore toes. And at two years old, she didn't have a massive amount of vocabulary. Um, 
and she could just express the fact her feet or her toes were hurting. And I remember just repeatedly taking her back to the shoe shop thinking her shoes had got too small. Yeah. And she, she had about four four new pairs of shoes during those few months. Um, and she did see the GP a couple of times um, throughout that. And I kept saying, she's, she's saying sore toes. And one of her toes looked slightly swollen, but nothing too obvious. And they just said, well, we can't see anything. Um, but again, it's only looking back that I've put the pieces together myself to think that was probably the initial onset was kind of six months to diagnosis rather than the, the three months from when we saw the visible swelling in her ankle. Um, but even even with me being someone who had JAA for most of my life, I did not consider for her that it could be juvenile arthritis. It just didn't cross my mind. And so that's why I'm, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about raising awareness, because I think even in my situation, living with this condition for all these years, if I didn't know to spot it for my own child, how many more people are out there who have never even heard of, you know, juvenile arthritis, have never heard that children can get arthritis, how many more people are not even considering that as a possibility. And that's not just unique to kind of parents and schools and communities. It's actually even within the medical profession, as wonderful that doctors are, um, within the frontline health professionals that you see. So GPs, A&E departments, um, sometimes you might get referred to physiotherapy if they suspect it could be an injury or need, needing improvement um, through strengthening your muscles. Those people do not necessarily, or they may not necessarily have had any training <coughs> to know how to spot juvenile arthritis. So I feel we have like an extra big job to do because you're raising awareness amongst society as a whole that that's what's kind of vitally important because once it becomes known that children can get arthritis then at least it's going to be on people's radar so for those children that it does affect hopefully they will get those quicker diagnoses and they won't end up um, with uncontrolled pain the way I had um, for those those years really so that that's a little bit about my background. I don't. I, I want to just take a breather in case you're yeah, not no, specifically about anything. Just so many um, so really powerful. So thank you for sharing. You share, you share it so well as well. But um, I was just nodding along with a lot of that. Like a couple of things that really stuck out for me. Well, first of all, I had that exact same spiritual concept. Mine was my um left hip, mm -hmm. and it felt like a twisting, mm -hmm. burny kind of thing. Um, like almost like like almost groin strain, but in the wrong place, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And then um. And that bit that you said about um, it can feel like a, like a lifetime and that with kids, it really yeah. does. I often have to fact go back and fact check because yeah. to me, when I say oh, I was diagnosed at ten on uh, 12 onset at 10, it doesn't feel right because mm. looking back, it feels like it was about five years and it was yeah. it was two. But that yeah. just felt like such a long time going in and out of hospital and having yeah. poked and prodded and the traction thing. Yep, yeah, we've both been mm. through that, which is horrendous <laughs> when when you've got arthritis the last thing you need is weights hung off your joints um and and the lack of pediatric rheumatology was the other one i made a note of because i've still got the same rheumatologist that i got at 14 that's not the same person i had at the very start but there just there was no alternative so um there, I suppose the, the positives are that there are things like that starting to happen now but i think the bit that probably out of everything you said that still worries me is that whole at primary you know gp level yeah it's still not being considered and I, I remember that was my first real big battle once I got into the whole hospital bit things moved quite quickly but um but yeah is, is that making GPs aware to think JIA and and, yeah. and, and, and and put it into the mix isn't it definitely definitely and um, with one of the word day webinars yesterday 
um, there was a lot of kind of hope, I suppose, everyone's describing it as, you know, we're in the business of hope and giving kids hope for the future. And that's absolutely right to do that. And they were talking about the advances in medication and, you know, kind of personalised medicine coming in future and um, knowing based on, um, you know, kind of certain factors they can they can check you know if, if a child has this type of JA then this med medication is likely to be most effective and that's all amazing and brilliant and you know 100% supportive of, of that kind of thing happening is it's brilliant that those options are, are hopefully going to be available um, to children with JA in the future but we mustn't lose sight of the fact that that is all dependent on getting you know from the GP or from the hospital to see that paediatric rheumatologist to get that diagnosis in the first place and I think that is where there is still a lot of work to do because it is just it's sadly one of the most common stories I hear when I'm in touch with parents um it's it's always it always seems to be it's, it's very rare for anybody to say oh we were lucky we've got a really quick diagnosis the norm seems to be we had to wait a year we had to wait over six months yeah. we had to go back to the GP five or six times and th these are the stories I'm still hearing which makes me think enough hasn't yet been done events like this are amazing because they're they're helping to raise awareness events like you know everything that was done yesterday for word day but it is an ongoing it's not it's not just for one day of the year this is something we all can be doing and and anybody whether whether you're affected by arthritis or not this is what i always say um you might think oh this is irrelevant to me i don't need to know about this stuff but actually it's good to know that children can get arthritis because you never know when you might come across a friend, a family member, a child you know, who's kind of just struggling a bit and without any kind of obvious explanation. And you you could be the one that says, hang on a minute, have you thought this could be arthritis? Just go and get it checked out. And also to give parents that confidence to keep going back to the GP because parents and carers will know if something's not right with their child. and. We tend to, and it's it's good and right to trust doctors, but we tend to trust them if they say, oh, go away, there's nothing wrong. It's really hard to have that courage and confidence to go back again and say, hang on a minute, I really do feel there's something wrong. So I just want parents to really follow their gut with that, um, that if their child, and it doesn't have to be anything, it can just be subtle little things, it could just be you know, very slight limp, it could be they've changed the way they hold a pen, it could be they're struggling to chew their food, it could could be any anything they could do fine before that that's now a little bit different. It's worth kind of checking out. And in a lot of cases, you don't need to panic, it might not be arthritis, it could be an injury, it could be something else. But if it's something that's just not improving, um, you know, not don't leave it more than I think GPs in their training, they're told not to leave it more than six weeks before they re refer. But obviously, it might have been a few weeks have passed before the parents even gone to a GP. So I'd say just just get it checked out, get on the their radar, because then you can go <coughs> and say, look, things haven't Im improved. And parents I just want to encourage them to not be afraid to ask for that referral to paediatric rheumatology because I, I can see cases where a lot of heartbreak would have been avoided if that referral had been made quickly instead of going around the houses and you know just trying to find out what's wrong so that that's kind of my message for for parents and carers and also I think people like teachers and in schools they can sometimes be the ones that notice something different with a child yeah. um so really you know everyone everyone in society can have a role to play in this um so for those children who are out there that are struggling that could have JAA let you know let's get them to see the right right people to get the diagnosis and the treatment they need because that that's the other real big plus um side of what we have going for us nowadays is there are treatment options there are medication options which I didn't have available to me um when I was first diagnosed I think I was probably maybe two or three years off the point where they started using drugs like methotrexate to treat JAA. So 
for me, I, the only options I had were paracetamol and ibuprofen to treat the pain. Didn't really touch the pain. I just remember being in agony much of the time. I was reliant on crutches for several years um, to walk around. So those options just weren't available to me. And then without that right treatment, there's the risk of joint damage, which is what happened in my case, that my left hip just became kind of de deformed, basically, it just deteriorated, that, that damage was done. And I lived with that damage and that pain. Um, they kept saying to me, oh, you probably need a hip replacement at some point, but I kind of hung on until I was 40. And, and that year, it, it, I kind of got to the end of the road and I thought, yeah, I need this hip replacement. So I had to have my hip replaced. Um, but with prompt diagnosis, that should not be the case nowadays for the vast majority of children. The, you know, their joints can be protected with the right medication. And physiotherapy as well is a vital part of treatment. That's that's a part of treatment that's often overlooked. Um, people rely on the medicines to work and it can be really tempting once once the medication's kicked in and that child is back to doing everything they were doing before and they can run around and, you know, if the yeah. pain's kind of kept under control. It's really tempting to think oh, that's great, we don't need to do the physiotherapy exercises anymore. But actually, I, I saw with my own daughter how quickly that muscle strength can deteriorate again if you don't keep up the physiotherapy exercises. So, um, what you know, once she was kind of back to doing the things she could do before, and, you know, with the medication, we kind of let the physiotherapy slip for a while. And it got to the point that when we went in for her next review at the hospital, they really noticed and they said, oh, have you been doing the physio? And we said, oh, I didn't really, I kind of hadn't, genuinely hadn't realised how vital it was. Yeah. And we said, well, no, she's she's out running and playing, doing sports, doing PE. Why does she need the physiotherapy? And they said, look, you can see, because it's so targeted, the physiotherapists are so experienced at giving really good targeted exercises uh, to keep the right muscles strong that we hadn't realised that just general sports and activity, obviously that is good as well, but it's not, as effective as keeping up with the physiotherapy too so she did end up having to have an inpatient stay for two weeks where they really did uh, two weeks of intense physiotherapy to get that strength back up and since then we have kept kept it up every yeah. night she has to do her <laughs> physiotherapy exercises and that's tough for a kid you know kids don't it's, it's boring and I, I never did you know when I was first diagnosed I was told you need to do physiotherapy most days I didn't want to do my physiotherapy so I kind of get get how tough it can be but I just say to families and to children just just do it, just get through it, tie it in with it, whatever works. So we tend to do, Trin does her physiotherapy whilst we read her a story, um, or it might it might be do it to music, have a treat afterwards, stickers, whatever works for your child, you know, find other ways. I heard a great, great thing from um, Word Day recently where a young lad, he kind of gets moving using um, the Wii, like the Wii Sports technology. And I thought well, that's a brilliant way to kind of get, get moving, but it is important to do the targeted things as well. And one of the things Trinity's experiencing now is pain in her jaw. And I was really impressed with her physiotherapist gave her a jaw exercise to do. And I thought, wow, how experienced and amazing are these people to know that precisely to be able to give an exercise that you can do to strengthen your jaw yeah. muscles. So it, speak, speak to your physio if, if you're not sure what to be doing, you know, get, get that help and support you need to be doing the right exercises. And it can make a huge difference in, as part of the, an overall treatment plan. Yeah, no, that's, they're all fun. And again, I'm nodding away because again, I hope you don't, I'll just sort of add a bit of flavour to uh, for a different, another angle. Is like you said about the physio bit, I think, first of all, that was my experience. I didn't appreciate until I had my first proper flare as an adult how intrinsic all that was to my care. And and I think 
and hopefully it's not the same, but I fear it probably is after the last couple of years, that that panic of like, oh, how do I get all that support again? I really have to jump through hoops to get, whereas as a child, sounds like similar to your little one, I'd be admitted for a month, get yeah. a ton of intensive physio and I'd come out mobile again. Yeah. So when you suddenly cross that line into adult arthritis and and that suddenly is all them doors seem to get closed off that's that's quite a terrifying thing but we'll maybe come back to that again in a minute yeah. with the um the journey and then the the other bit I was going to add is you said about the, the GP and everything and we're getting a few comments in chat about about GP and you know that seems to be a bit of a blocker I was the same with my psoriasis I went to my GP three or four times different GPs with rashes when I was a teenager and at no point did they tell rheumatology about that and i probably could have got my psoriasis element um bit of the ja um just diagnosed a lot um, earlier so um yeah it, it def- definitely does seem to be a sticking point um before we go on to some of those challenges do you want to just maybe explain where jar project fits into all this yeah. and, and the, the work that you guys are doing so wonderfully yeah absolutely um at juvenile arthritis research we're a uk charity and it was founded four years ago and it's really to fill the gaps uh, where there has been a lack of support, uh, research, and kind of with the awareness as well, which is such an important part as, as we've been discussing. Um, so one of the things that we noticed was that although there is amazing research going on at looking at more targeted drugs and improving treatment and therapies, there didn't seem to be anything kind of trying to join up the dots um, to kind of look look at other clues that that will bring us closer to an actual cure for JAA one day. So that was where the kind of research started out from that point. And we now get involved in um, like kind of kind of major research projects that are going on um, around the world, as well as doing our own studies as well to kind of just help help step by step get closer to one day where there will be a cure for JAA. That's that's the aim. That's our vision. That's where we want to be, because I don't think it's good enough for me. For me, ultimately, as good as treatment can get, I would love to see one day for there to be a cure, whatever that that looks like, a kind of permanent remission for children, because we also know that although for the vast majority of children, um, the medications and treatment do work and there is this bright hope for, for a few, they don't ever achieve remission. So we need a solution to that. However great the, the medications are, there are a few that it doesn't work as effectively for. So we mustn't forget them, you know, they, they matter just as much. Um, so yeah on the awareness side uh we work with well this is this is where other people come into it a, a great deal so anybody who's keen to raise aware, awareness through an event or, or fundraising is a great way of raising awareness and of course it gives us funds to be able to do more more of what we do as well um so awareness is vitally important as we've discussed so we've set up a separate website to as well as the juvenile arthritis research um website we've got a separate one called thinkja.org and that is really um, aimed at parents, frontline healthcare professionals, and even places like schools and nurseries, um, where they can go and find the kind of basics of what they need to know to be able to make that referral to the right right people. So it explains about the importance of um, referring to paediatric rheumatology in a kind of timely manner, and also for eye check to check for uveitis, because that's another another area where awareness is really low um, that arthritis can affect children's eyes in the form of JA related uveitis which is like inflammation inside the eye and if it's detected and treated it can be dealt with quite easily if no one spots it and you haven't had an eye check then that can have devastating consequences and um, 
there are children that have lost sight in their eyes because um, it hasn't been spotted in time. So that's another thing really to be aware of. So these delays aren't only an inconvenience, a worry, a frustration for the family in terms of, you know, not having the answer to why their child's limping or struggling to, you know, do whatever, whatever it is, whichever joints are affected, but also um, uveitis can be a kind of very silent thing that can be going on. Um, it doesn't always cause pain. It's not something that you can obviously spot yourself. It, it's really down to having that eye check through an eye specialist, which is usually an eye, either an eye consultant in a hospital, or there are some specialist um, community op ophthalmologists that can do it. So you need like a slit lamp to kind of see into the eye, almost like it's like a kind of microscope that they look into. It doesn't hurt. The check doesn't hurt. It's, it's actually really quick and simple, but it's vitally important to, um, you know, spot if there are any signs of uveitis that can be treated quickly. And this is where I'm going to draw my own experience into it again. Again, as a child myself, there was mention of, oh, make sure you get your eyes checked because it can affect your eyes. But nobody really explained to me the seriousness of that. So I never took it seriously. I don't remember having any specialist hospital checks for my eyes. Whenever I had a general check at the optician, I did used to mention that I had JA, and I just feel extremely fortunate that I never did develop uveitis because I don't think I understood enough about it then to, to have been having the proper checks and none of the medical teams had referred me for a proper eye check either. So I just feel I was very lucky that I didn't develop uveitis. With my daughter, on the other hand, again, I probably thought when they said, oh, you need to get her eyes checked or we've, we've referred you to the eye, eye consultant. I just thought, oh, great. It's just one of those things. Tick the box, have her eyes checked. Um, and it was only because we had a couple of um, appointments up at Great Ormond Street quite in quite um, a quick succession. That it was at the second of those appointments that the, the rheumatologist said to us, oh, has she had her eyes checked? And I said, not yet. We're on the waiting list. And she said she needs to have her eyes checked. And she was so kind of definite about that that I started to chase our kind of local eye consultant. And, and, and they did say at Great Ormond Street, they said, if they can't see you locally quickly enough, come back to us and we, we'll get her seen. But I started chasing up and I phoned every day, two or three times a day, left messages, spoke to the secretary. And I said, we've been told this is really urgent now. And they said, oh, she's just been put in the routine pile. Um, but, uh, you know, we'll move her to the urgent pile. And the day an appointment came up, luckily it was a few days after that, and went in and I will never forget the eye consultant's words once he checked her eyes and he just looked at me and said she's got uveitis in both eyes thank goodness you brought her in today and I just again it just shows that importance of parents to be aware of this sort of thing because if we just waited and trusted that everything was in hand by the time that kind of routine appointment had come through it might it might have been too late she could have had you know really bad eye damage by then as it was it was really simple. It was eye drops several times a day, which are probably not that simple actually when you've got a two year old who's <laughs> <laughs> trying to get eye drops in there. But but it you know, relatively straightforward solution. Um and then that was until her kind of the methotrexate injections kicked in and then that helped to keep it under control and we could wean her off the eye drops. So it yeah, it was straight straightforward to treat and deal with, but would have been absolutely horrible to have not been seen that day to to kind of get that um checked really for the uveitis and I have totally lost track of of where I was going with it. No, I think that's a good point to say is like um because parents only know what they know which is why awareness is so vitally important and and on the uveitis one is I got remember getting like read the right act on that when I was told I had 
AS when I was about 14, 15. That turned out to be a misdiagnosis. That was psoriatic element of my arthritis. But at no point did anyone have that conversation with me about JIA. Mm-hmm. So I just casually, when I found out that I didn't have ankylosis spongylitis, I just thought, well, that isn't a risk anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and literally only last year I had my eyes checked because um, I get a lot of problems with my eyes anyway. And um, and the, the chap that saw me said there is actually some light scarring at the back of my eyes. So at some point, presumably, I did have it. And thankfully, it didn't progress like it because it can happen really rapidly. That was yeah. what my understanding yeah. was. Is that like you know, I remember the the AS years. It was kind of like if you get any pain in the back of your eyes, straight to A and E. But yeah, it that wasn't given to me as information as part of JIA. That was given as this sort of secondary thing. So it's, it that is really worrying. And how do you think? Um, so I'm guessing the last couple of years then has made that sort of side of your work even harder because with the pressure on GPs and everything else, getting that message out to parents must be even harder than ever. Um, I'd say sort of yes and no, because I think the actual rheumatology teams have been brilliant at trying to do their very best at keeping up with seeing patients. So existing patients and new patients. So I know it varies across the country. I know some, it is a little bit of a postcode lottery. Um, Personally, we've been very lucky. The hospital my daughter's seen at, they put on extra clinics on Sundays and they did kind of stay on top of it where the local hospital was unable to see her for uveitis. Her kind of paediatric hub hospital um, took over the eye checks as well for a while. So we were very lucky in that. And I believe they are trying to do that across the country as well to to kind of try and keep up because they, they know what happens if you know, if you miss appointments and, and if things aren't checked. Um, but I can imagine, I do know there are definitely pockets of the country where they don't have a dedicated paediatric hub hospital. So children are having to travel. Sometimes they have to go for an overnight stay, like in Cornwall, I think there is a real um, lack of services there. So depending on the treatment they need, sometimes they have to go travel overnight and stay in Bristol to have the treatment um, before heading back to Cornwall. So things like that, I would love to see, you know, changed and improved in future um i think i think it is just a case of and and the other my other sort of passion that i'd love to do at some point in future which we just don't have the capacity for at at the moment because we are a very small small team of volunteers doing everything that that we do and we have achieved a lot in these past four years but um i'm also aware of people like me who are adults with jaa that have fallen through the gaps because that's another thing that i get contacted about people saying oh it's great there's all all this for children and it is great that there's all all this for children but there's a generation that had JAA, have JAA, but can't get back in very easily to get the treatment they need. They can't get the answers they need. So I, th- I think, there, again, there's another stage of work that needs to be done there at some point in the future. Um, and that, that affects me personally. I feel quite helpless at times about that because I think I do so much to advocate for children with JAA, but I'm kind of a little bit lost when it comes to my own treatment and what to be asking yeah. for and who to be seeing and that, that's a bit of a frustration and when other people contact me in the same boat I kind of I would say sorry I, f- I feel the same but I don't know what to say I don't know what the solution is I don't know what the services are out there for adults with JAA um so yeah that's some, something for the future but um back to kind of what we're doing the, the third arm so we've got the uh, research awareness and the third arm of what we do is the support work so um we do that mainly we've developed some really valuable resources um, for children and families and one of those is our box of hope pack and that was originally just for younger children um, where it contains a, a storybook about Kippo the monkey that was actually developed um, by parents el- elsewhere in the world and they gave us the rights to kind of translate it for a UK audience and that is Kippo's loved by so many people um, 
and it just it kind of covers everything in that little storybook that you kind of need to know about JA, but in a really child child friendly way. So, um, you know, Kip, Kip Oga, it goes right through the process of diagnosis and the fact he'll have to see an eye, eye specialist and a physiotherapist. And that actually it's pretty tough having those injections, but it's really important too. So, um, yeah, Kipo has been very popular with children. That storybook's been brilliant. And we have actually developed on the website um, some other kind of activities as well. So um, there's printables for like a pain scale. So you can start talking to your child about, um, you know, what, what levels of pain they're feeling each day um, and some fun activities as well. There's a little Kipo you can print off and fold as an origami Kipo and some colouring sheets and that kind of thing as well. Um, and in within that same box of Hope Pack, um, it's available to anyone in the UK with juvenile arthritis can kind of apply one on the website um, and within that we also have a booklet that we've developed called my JAA and again it was there was a real gap in what was available it was either you get given too much information with everything about medications that your child might need at some stage in the future and that can be a little bit overwhelming and scary or there's a kind of lack of information so this um, my JA booklet has almost everything you need to get started on your JA journey. So it explains about the multidisciplinary healthcare team, all the different um, doctors and specialists you may need to see. And there's a really good section about schools and how schools can support a child with JA, um, as well as you know some of the basics about you know what is what is JA, how do you get a diagnosis, and and general tips on you know help with sleep and. You know, having good diet and you know things things like that as well so that's a really and and all of these are available as free downloads from the website so if you're not in the uk and you can't you don't qualify for box of hope the vast majority of our resources we do make available absolutely free as downloads from the website as well um and then that the box of hope was so um popular with people and they were they were so like this is just what we needed i felt so alone before i had this information i didn't feel i knew anything um to be able to support my child and now i do so we actually developed one for older children so for over 10s they get sent it's the same form on the website but if they're over the age of 10 they get sent um a little box of hope what we call the teen pack and in there there's a different book so it's more aimed at kind of teen teenagers or over 10s really and that was written it's called peg leg and it was written by a young lad called ned who um he has jea and he spent some time on crutches and he found that everyone used to nickname him things like peg leg and the book is actually really great for um I think it's a great read anyway, regardless if you have whether you have a condition or not, it's a great read. He's, he's written it in like a wimpy, wimpy kid style. So it's brilliant for um, kind of just explaining JA in a really a fun, it's weird to say a fun way, but kind of in a way that anyone can understand. But also it shows the seriousness of it, plus plus the fun side and what you can achieve and what you can do. So it's quite a positive book overall, which, you know, we love because we're all about actually being real with people to say, actually, we get what it's like with yeah. living with JA, but also there is hope. There's, you know, there's a good outlook for children. Don't let JA stop your child from doing whatever they want to do. Um, so yeah, that, that book is brilliant, brilliant for doing that peg leg. And again, that's available on the website as a free download as well. So the teen pack goes, um, to older children we don't actually have a top end cut off for that so although we tend to say we support children aged 10 to 16 you know with that pack actually if if you're 17 18 19 we have uh, have people that you know, like university students that have got one and found it very helpful for university as well so um you know we don't have a top end cut off if you feel it would help you then please go onto the website um slash hope um, and you can request uh, one of those packs the other thing it contains in there which i'm going to give a little shout out to is a little um 
like a business card uh, and it said on one side it says I have JAA and on the other side it explains what that means um, so that people can give it to perhaps a teacher like at secondary school they might want to just give it to a teacher discreetly if they can't do PE one day or if they're struggling to write or whatever it might be that if they're struggling that day they can just give them this card and it just explains again in very basic terms you know it says um, this this is what JA is. It means there's variability in my condition. So some days I can't join in the things I'd like to. Uh, it's not the same as the arthritis that older people get. And it just explains very basically just in that one little card. And again, that was the idea of a young person who said, I would find this really helpful. So that's the other thing I would say to people. If you have an idea for something that would make your life easier, let us know. Because yes, we're a small charity, but in a way we, we embrace that to our advantage to say, we can make things happen quickly because we don't have layers of bureaucracy and waiting for years for things to happen. If you need something, we can do our best to kind of make that make that happen. So as most of all the best ideas we've had have come from what people have needed and wanted, and we've just gone on with it and done them. So um, just this year, we have just launched a school toolkit. Um, again, we called it a school toolkit, but it's available if you're a nursery or preschool or the other end of the spectrum, if you're college or university and you feel it would be helpful to find out more about juvenile arthritis if you've got a child with JA in your setting. Um, so schools can apply for that directly, um, again, through the website. And that contains kind of everything that would help a teacher kind of confidently support a child with JA. So um, there's this kind of tra training information on their presentation slides for the class so they can explain to the whole class what JA is and um, how it can affect a child so it's, yeah, it's absolutely packed with amazing information that will help support a school um, and that has been done again very quickly because we noticed there's a need for it because schools were the one place that children were still struggling and saying my teacher doesn't understand that one day I can do PE the next day I can't we, we heard Ali talking about that this morning and that is you know it still happens with so many children so that was a real area that we wanted to do something to help support um people people with really I, th I think you should be immensely proud of what you achieved in such a short space of time because i know it was music to my ears when i when i started doing what i did i didn't know that you guys sort of started just a year sort of before mm -hmm. and and when i discovered that 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 i don't know it just it helped um, take a bit of weight off my shoulders, I think, because in my mind, it was still this world that you and I grew up with. So it is great that the support's there. And, and yeah, definitely use that being a small charity. Keep doing that to your advantage because it really mm -hmm. is noticeable how quick you're um, coming up with all these new initiatives. Because like I say, once they charities get to that sort of juggernaut size, it is a lot more challenging. But I think, yeah, the um, I suppose the question, it, it might be a little bit unfair because it's sort of kind of out of your, your wheelhouse, but I think you really hit the nail on the head when you said... Um, there is still an issue with people like our age that are sort of that that group and and that didn't have that support. And I'm always well aware when I'm doing all my campaign and stuff that you mentioned hope earlier. And I think children today have a lot more hope because of the support around them. But I'm also very conscious that there's this generation ahead of them that are a little bit broken from, from their experiences and struggling a little bit. So I always try and mix up that whole okay this is the reality but this is what you can yeah. do yeah. um but yeah i suppose it's, it's how do we then address that that bit which i say isn't isn't your your thing but it, it's something that sounds like we're both very sort of conscious of um yeah. so so if anyone out there has got any ideas yeah. <laughs> let us know <laughs> yeah no absolutely totally with you on that and the other thing i think is important to mention is again it's getting this balance between saying 
yes, these children are amazing. They can go on to do amazing things. They're brilliant, even as they are. I was in contact with a young person recently who said, I said something like how inspirational she was. And she said, I'm not inspirational. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing that well. My JA is not controlled. And, and I said, you are inspirational because you're getting up and you're getting through each day and you're doing stuff to raise awareness. And that, you know, that in itself is inspirational. And I think sometimes you don't have to be, you don't have to become a famous sports person or famous dancer or gymnast or whatever it might be. It's, it's great for those that do go on to achieve that, which is possible. I absolutely love the story of Summer Artman, who's an England netballer, because netball was my thing as a child. And I love the fact she plays for England and she has JIA. And I think, wow, in a different generation, that could have been me, you know, because I, lo I really loved my netball. And I love the fact that, you know, my children can grow up and if they want to be England netballers, they, you know, they could be. So I love that things have improved to that point. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I want to celebrate the everyday heroes. So those that grow up and do ordinary jobs, they're doing a lot that it takes an extraordinary effort when you when you when you're living with JA every day to go on and just do ordinary things sometimes. And I think that's not always understood either. So there's um, a lovely interview with a girl called Sophie on our website, a young lady, I should say, and she um, grew up with having JA from a young age and she wanted to be, her dream was to be a hairdresser. And her doctor said, oh, we're not sure you can do that because of how your hands are affected and you won't be able to kind of get the right positions to, to cut hair properly. And she just found her own way around it. And I absolutely love that. And she calls it, she said, I found Sophie's way to cut hair. And, and she's doing her dream job of being a hairstylist. And that to me is amazing because I think, wow, you know, we might say actually a head, being a hairstylist is an ordinary job. It's not being a famous sports person or pop star or you know, whatever it might be. But actually that is following her dream and finding a way to do it. And I, you know, I love hearing stories of that. So the way I think of it is actually sometimes it's the, you know, ordinary people doing ordinary things that are actually extraordinarily kind of inspirational to us, um, especially if they have had to overcome, you know, living with a condition like, like JAA. Yeah, we, we're definitely on very much the same. Like I, had a, I was a consultant on a project last year, and they, they they kept talking about who's who's got who's got chronic pain that we can get, who's famous, and who's and they were looking through Twitter. I was like, no, 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 you're missing the point. Like, mm -hmm. you know, as, it'd be like saying the Paralympics every four years are the only time you celebrate disabled heroes. You know, they're at the the people doing the mums and dads stuff and holding down a job and everything else with what we go through that there needs to be that balance like you say of, of, of getting those people in front of the camera as well so um yeah you just you're doing everything right <laughs> not that i've got any authority to say i just yeah oh, just it pleases you. me every time i hear it you hear what you guys are doing thank um, you the, the last little bit i want to ask we probably covered it in our previous podcast last year but I just because it's something that constantly comes up and I'm well aware of it myself. When you were talking about your um, daughter's toes and things like that, like I very much, I'm in that stage now where, you know, maybe you weren't so aware back then of the link, but it's, it's sort of so well known now. And it seems like everybody I talk to on social media's children have also got JIA in particular. And, and Dylan's very much going through that stage at the minute where he'll say his knee hurts. And sometimes he's just telling tales because he finds it funny and everything else. Is there any sort of advice you'd give to people out there in, in like my situation where you've got young ones and, and you might have a concern because they do go through phases, mm -hmm. don't they? And But I'm always constantly conscious of missing something when he does complain and that sort of thing about. So how did you approach that? I guess you did touch on a bit earlier, but any sort of advice? Yeah, I, I think it is just knowing your child and knowing what's normal for them. And it, it, we still do it with Trinity, you know, sometimes 
heading up to school, she'll suddenly go, oh, my leg hurts. And I'm like, where? Which bit? Which bit? And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, is this the JA kind of rearing its head again? And um, But often it's just, you know, her legs, are, you know, might need to stretch or, you know, it's, it could be, you know, any anything else going on. So, but I think it's it's if it's happening, not necessarily constantly, but consistently. So if, if someone's complaining of something not being right or you're noticing something about them that isn't right, and then you notice it again um, and again. You know, don't don't just sit on that. Get it checked out, and and don't. I I say to people, don't worry. Thinking, oh, it must it must be this, but it's worth getting checked out because just as easily as, as once you see a rheumatologist, pediatric rheumatologist, just as easily as they can diagnose it, they can also rule something out. It is just that yeah. the key is actually getting them to see the right person who can who can do that quickly. Um, so yeah, I think if you've got concerns get just get it get it checked out um and don't be afraid to go back to your gp if if you're not satisfied that it's been resolved you know if you think actually there is still something going on here um so yeah we have we have got the information on the think ja website and it says you know it's got information for the gp to actually say you know they might run x-rays and blood tests and say oh this is all normal and they might say to the parent that means it's not arthritis and actually for the parents to have the confidence to go well we know that blood tests can be normal in JA, x-rays yeah. might not show anything up, but it could still be JA, please could I have that referral to rheumatology. So it's just giving people that confidence to keep doing it. And I know it's hard because we we just want to, we don't want to make a fuss. <laughs> we, yeah. you know, we just want to accept if the GP's told us something just to, to trust that, but actually just trust your instincts. The way the way we're trained as parents when, um, when you have a baby and they give you all the information about meningitis, and I realise meningitis is obviously very serious, so it does need to be dealt with very quickly, but parents become aware that actually they, they're told, trust your instinct and go back to your doctor if, if you're still worried. And I just want to say that, to use that same um, philosophy, I suppose, if you're concerned about your child, about anything really, to not be afraid to to keep going back. Because if you're not standing up for your child, who who is? You know, no one else is going to be out there looking out for them the way that a parent or carer can. So just trust your instincts and and keep keep going back and keep asking for help if yeah if you've got any concerns really no that's brilliant thank you and um I'm, I'm conscious of your time but just again just to reiterate thank you for everything you're doing and as somebody that grew up where everybody assumed you had rheumatoid arthritis or any services I was recommend even by my own doctors were sending me to you know village hall meets for people that were it's very different type of experience of our first to what I was going for as a 14 year old or whatever so yeah the fact that you're filling all that gaps is amazing and I'm assuming I probably have Richard to thank for all the amazing links and information that's gone into the chat so if um if you go send me those links I'll make sure they're at the in the show notes for the podcast so if anyone's that's listening brilliant. to this back on the podcast I'll drop all of the links that we've um, been sharing on Twitch today regarding stories and where you can find those resources and where you can get um and if you want to help JR project as well where, where you can go for that so um, yeah just thank you both and for everybody else involved with um JR project yeah, and, thank you we and, are we are entirely we don't get any government funding we don't get any big grants or anything like that it is down to individuals fundraising for us that allows us to do everything that we do we're all we're entirely volunteer run so nobody gets paid a salary every penny raised goes to providing these resources to the the children and young people that need it so we are truly grateful to everyone who's donating today and who fundraises for us at other times you know whether they run marathons or have a sponsored read or 
whatever it is they they do we're so grateful to that because it's because of that that we can do what what we do so thank thank you everybody who's ever supported us with how big or small a donation it doesn't matter every literally every penny and we are very mindful of even when we're getting these resources printed we're shopping around for the best deals to really make the most of every penny to make sure we can support as many children as possible through what we do so thank you we're really truly grateful for that feelings mutual so uh, yeah keep up the great work and if, if any if we can help in any other way please let us know because um yeah this is this has been a lot of fun today and that's the least i can do is um give up a day to try and help oh, what, what you guys you. are doing thank so, you so uh, with that i'll let you get on enjoy the rest of your day because i appreciate you've probably been with us all morning on and off so um so yeah thanks and um and uh yeah i'll put the notes um in for the podcast for anyone listening to this back and um yeah it's been a pleasure and maybe again next year we'll go definitely, for the hat trick definitely yeah thank you no, thank you so much all right thank you rebecca have a good Take day care. thanks and you bye-bye you can find more amazing podcast episodes over on our twitch channel that's twitch.tv forward slash joel versus arthritis or wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts if you would like to support the word day charity stream that we were running from which this recording was taken um, you can um, donate on justgiving.com forward slash joel hyphen nelson and the address will be in the show notes for this episode um, until next time thank you ever so much for listening